watched die on a cross a few days before pops into the room out of nowhere. And what does Jesus say to him? To them? He says, peace be with you. As a matter of fact, Jesus opens, um, opens up with this line a lot when he reveals himself to people after he's risen from the dead. In other parts of the Bible, Jesus is actually called the Prince of Peace. So, you know, it makes sense that he would show up in the middle of the chaos and declare, peace be with you. Because the truth is, when Jesus shows up after conquering death, he brings peace with him. Because if you're trusting in someone who's conquered death, there's nothing to fear, not even death. Now look over with me in Genesis chapter 45. So the backstory here is that the brothers have um, been sent to buy food in Egypt. They're facing death by starvation. And when they arrive, Joseph recognizes them. But they don't recognize him because 14 years later, the boy they sold into slavery is now a man. And now we get to chapter 45, and Joseph reveals his identity to his brothers. In verse 4, he says, I am Joseph, the brother you sold into slavery. So they're starving, and now the brother they, they sold into slavery gets to decide whether they get food. Can you put yourselves in their shoes for just a second? And what does Joseph say to him? He says, come near to me, please. Now, I don't know about you, but if, um, if I'd, been, I'd sold my brother into slavery or my sister into slavery, and now they're the leader of the, of the world, and I'm coming to them for food because I'm starving, and my brother says, hey, guys, come near to me. Uh, I'm a little freaked out by that. But Joseph says, come near to me, please. Draw close. Come be present with me. I imagine this is terrifying. Verse 3 says that they were dismayed at his presence. Another way to say it is they were freaking out. They were afraid. They were trembling. But in verse 5, Joseph says to his brothers, do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves. Draw near. Don't be distressed or dismayed. Don't be angry with yourselves. Don't feel shame. Don't feel guilt. Just come near. You know, when God calls us to come near, to enter into his presence, to face him and to face his gospel truth. We often fear the unknown, don't we? Do you remember the time when Jesus first called your name? Now, it may have been sweet and full of love, but if you were recognizing the, the seriousness of your sin before holy God, and you weren't confident in the, in the Savior's response, you probably had a response much like Joseph's brothers in this story. What will God say? What will he do? What will he require? We're afraid because of our, our sin is big. Our future is unsure. And he is a terrifyingly great God who created all things. You know, vulnerability before a great and holy God is like that. Coming into God's presence and into his salvation can be terrifying. But friend, trust that there's a loving embrace for those who draw near. I don't know what you're going through this morning. Maybe you're fearful. Maybe you feel alone or isolated. Maybe you're frustrated because um, life is not what it was before the virus changed everything. Or maybe you feel shame or guilt, or maybe you feel unworthy. But know this, when Jesus who conquered death is in the room, he brings peace. And when his grace is applied, fear falls away and peace begins to reign in the human heart. In the middle of your difficulty today, when God says to you, like Joseph says to his brothers, come near, 
Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Know that he's going to bring peace when you place your faith and your trust in him. So, second truth for today. Write this down. Second truth about God's grand story. In God's story, sin and death become forgiveness in life. In God's great story, sin and death become forgiveness in life. John 20, verse 20 says, When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Just days before this moment, the disciples watched as Jesus was beaten and spit upon, scourged, crowned with thorns, and hung on a cross. And they watched in agony as the Son of God, the one that they'd followed for three years, died. But here Jesus shows up and shows off his scars, the holes in his hands and in his feet and in his side. And Jesus had clearly died, but now he's alive. And Jesus rose from the dead, bringing with him life, his life and life for us. Then you skip over to Joseph's story. You know, he was sold. His old life came to an end. He was enslaved in Potiphar's house. He was accused of sexual misconduct. He was thrown into prison for three years. But you know, that wasn't the end of Joseph's story. God had a plan for his life. So God raised Joseph up and put him in charge of food distribution, of all the good things that could come to bear. And now in Genesis 45, the son and the brother that was dead is alive because God has preserved and redeemed his life for a purpose to make provision for his family in Egypt and to preserve their lives. And guess what? Jesus' death also brings life for you today. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're enduring today, know that Jesus died so that you might have life, real life, abundant life, life filled with his peace and filled with his joy. The Bible teaches in Ephesians chapter 2 that you were dead in your transgressions and your trespasses and sin. But God, rich in mercy, loved us enough to make a way for us to give us a new life in Christ Jesus. Today, if you find yourself without hope, bogged down in the sin of your own life and in the brokenness of this world, know that Christ Jesus wants to come in. The Prince of Peace wants to come in and He wants to give you new life. He wants to give you the joy that your heart desires. Today, if you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ because his death purchased your forgiveness and new life. God wants you to enter his story, a story he's been writing from the beginning of time, a story of redemption. He wants you to enter his story a story in which Jesus' death and resurrection brings forgiveness to your life and new life for you, no matter your circumstances or how deep uh, a hole you're in in your sin. So won't you today give your life to Christ Jesus? Number three, write this down. In God's story, fear becomes gladness. Fear becomes gladness. Look at the end of... um, John 20, verse 20. The text says the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. You know, there comes a moment for the disciples when they realize who Jesus is. When he pops into the room, they didn't expect him. They didn't recognize him. You may be on the live stream today, and you didn't expect it or plan it. And you certainly didn't expect the Lord to speak to you in the middle of all this mess. 
But just like with the disciples, today Jesus is popping in on you. They didn't expect him. They didn't recognize him. He had to prove himself by showing off his scars. But when the disciples finally were convinced by the holes in his hands and in his feet and in his side that it was Jesus, they were glad. Their fear became gladness because they were with the Lord who is trustworthy and is true. Had their circumstances changed? No. There were probably people still out to get them. They might not live to see another day. But that didn't matter because Jesus had risen from the dead. And he was alive and he was with them. So fear was defeated in the presence of Christ. You know, in Joseph's story, the brothers, the brothers had to be convinced too. Come near. And if you skip down to um, Genesis chapter 45, verses 14 and 15, Joseph expresses his forgiveness and his grace to them in this way. The text says, Then Joseph fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and he wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck and he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After that, his brothers talked with him. Rather than falling upon them with a sword, he fell upon them with, with weeping. The text says that he embraced Benjamin's neck and he wept and that Benjamin wept as well. And basically, the text implies that he went from brother to brother to brother to brother, offering assurance, offering care, offering forgiveness. I think it's great. I mean, the text totally could have said, and he embraced his brothers, but in, in the text, it, it, it uh, implies that he went brother to brother to brother to make sure that every human heart knew that it was Joseph and that they were forgiven. I'm sure it took a while for the brothers to be fully convinced to the point that they became glad. As a matter of fact, later on when Joseph's father, Jacob, died, the, bro- the text says that the brothers became afraid again. They thought that now that dad was dead, that Joseph was going to get his revenge. And Joseph had had to come back again and reassure, him, reassure them of his forgiveness and, and to trust in God's plan. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm more like Joseph's brothers than the disciples here. I'm more like Thomas in the text that follows um, the text that we're in in John chapter 20. I know that in Christ my fear is defeated and God's joy is available to my heart, but sometimes I forget or I doubt God's truth and I let fear creep in. And it's in those moments that I need the word to remind me that my Savior defeated death and gave me life and forgave me and made me his son so that there's nothing to fear. And when I trust in him and I fix my eyes on him, my heart is filled with faith and my heart is filled with joy because he's the joy giver. He's the one that brings gladness no matter what my situation and circumstances. Number four, write this down. In God's story, a new purpose is found, a brand new purpose. Notice what Jesus says to his disciples in John 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even, the, I, even so I am sending you. So they're afraid. They're locked away. I imagine they're tempted to run away. I would hide forever, honestly. But that was not God's plan. Jesus shows up and gives them his peace. He gives them his gladness. He gives them new life. But that's not all. God gave his disciples a new purpose. He told them that they would be sent out like he was sent out. Christ sent from heaven to earth. Man sent from 
wherever we were before we, Christ found us, into the world to be the hands and feet of Christ. You know, in Joseph's story, there's a major narrative change. Before Joseph was sold by his brothers, feel, that, uh, feel bo- both sides. Joseph was sold. Brothers were betrayed. You can feel Joseph's heart there and the brother's heart now that they face Joseph again. Now they face one another for the first time in 14 years. Now Joseph is in power and holds all the cards. Payback would be the normal response. But what does Joseph say? In Genesis 45, 5 through 8, Joseph says, And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there is yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you, for you a remnant on earth, and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me father to Pharaoh, the lord of all his house, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Do you see what happened here? The story changed. What we expect to happen didn't happen. Joseph possesses God's perspective on the situation. He says, God sent me here. Not, you sold me. Instead, God sent me. Why? To preserve your lives and our family line so that God's promise to us might be fulfilled. You know what? When Jesus shows up in your life, He does what he did with the disciples. He gives peace. He grants gladness and joy. He gives new life. And he repurposes your life and sends you out to be the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus in the world. But you know what? Sometimes again, we are more like Joseph's brothers than like the disciples. We fail to see God's perspective. We fail to see his purposes. We fail to see his plan. But God is calling us to see things like Joseph did from God's point of view. Christ has saved us. He's granted us peace and joy and new life. And now everything we're enduring is a part of God's plan. Church family, did you hear that? Everything we're enduring right now, God is redeeming and repurposing for his glory and the spread of the gospel and the good of his people. God's purpose is that we be sent out into this broken world, serving and sharing the hope of Christ, offering the peace that God has for us, offering the gladness and joy that the Spirit of God brings, offering new life to those who do not know the grace and mercy of Christ. It's our new purpose. It's our new perspective. And you know, when we embrace Christ, it's a repentant embrace. It's an embrace that says, I used to be focused on myself, on my own fears, on my own difficulties, on my own sin, on my own plan, but God. And we turn towards Christ Jesus in faith, embracing him fully and him embracing us, um, letting us know that our guilt and our shame has no place in his presence, that we're fully forgiven. And it's not that we turn back to our old life. Instead, it's that Jesus begins to lead us in a new life, holding his perspective, embracing his plan. And he begins to use us as his hands and his feet and his voice in a lost and dying and broken world, bringing hope and joy and peace and new life with us. Finally, the last truth for today about God's grand story. Write it down. In God's story, he empowers his people to bring redemption. 
In God's story, He empowers His people to bring redemption. I love what John 20, 22 and 23 says. And when He had said this, He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. This is an astounding statement. Jesus basically says, you've placed your faith in me. My peace is rushed in. Gladness is here because I am with you. My spirit is in you. Here's a new life. Here's a new purpose. And let me tell you something. I'm going to give you the greatest gift that you could ever receive. I'm going to give you my spirit. And I'm going to place my spirit in you. And what you say will happen. What you do and what you call upon will become real. And um, now go in, in, the, in my power, offering forgiveness and salvation to the lost. Now, I think some people sort of misinterpret this section of Scripture. They put themselves in the seat of the power of God. And they say, well, you know, God saved me. Therefore, I can save others. But the truth of the matter is, It's the Spirit in you that's doing the work through you and doing the work in them that saves people. It's not you that saves people. But what we do gain from this section of Scripture is that as people that are filled with the Spirit of God, when we go and our mouths are filled with the good news of Jesus Christ, God promises us that when we speak the good news and His Spirit moves through us and in the heart of another, that that person will come to faith in Jesus Christ. That God does not withhold salvation when when the Spirit stirs a human heart and the gospel of Christ is being declared through a redeemed person, that that person will will come to faith in Jesus Christ. The words that we speak are powerful if they are Christ's words, if they're the gospel of Christ, and if the Spirit of God is at work in a human heart. Our words will be enough, and then we trust God to do the rest. You won't need Jesus to be physically present in order to fulfill the purposes for which you're created, to make disciples of all nations. Because His Spirit is in you and His Word is in you, you can go and you can speak the gospel and you can trust God to do the saving work through you. You know, in Joseph's story, over and over again, the Bible says that the Spirit of God was with Joseph and was empowering him and speaking through him. And now we see that story come full circle and the family that sold him into slavery um, is now saved and preserved through him and the the brothers that had rejected him are now are now forgiven and the power of because the power of God is in Joseph none of what happened in Joseph's life happened because Joseph was powerful or because Joseph was special None of this redemption that happened between him and his brothers and ultimately his father, none of this um, restoration and salvation from a famine happened because Joseph was a great guy. Instead, it happened because God was with Joseph. God was leading Joseph and God was speaking through Joseph and the Spirit of God was at work all around Joseph. Church, during this pandemic, during this difficult season that we're in, God wants to empower you, Christian friend, and he wants to send you out And he wants to save people and he wants to encourage people and he wants to bring his joy into people's lives and he wants to bring peace in the turmoil and he wants to give new life. And he wants to do that as his saved people filled with his spirit and his word go and declaring the good news of Jesus 
Jesus' death and resurrection and His grace. Friends, watching today that are not Christians or that just do church on Christmas and Easter, this is not the life God intended for you to live. God wants you to fully embrace the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He wants you to surrender your life to Jesus. He wants to give you His peace, give you His joy. He wants to empower you to live in new purposes and in a new plan. Friends, won't you invite Jesus in? Won't you? Won't you surrender to him? Won't you by faith embrace the one who is offering his sweet embrace? Won't you come to Jesus? Church, this morning, you know Christ. If the doors are open today, you would be here. You, you are where you are walking faithfully with the Lord. I praise God for you. And this morning, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you would indeed hold to the one who gives peace. That you would cling to the one who gives gladness and joy. That you would live the new life that Christ has given through the resurrection of Jesus. And that you'd be empowered by the Spirit of the living God to declare the good news of the Word of God in a hurting and dying world. I'd like to pray um, to close our teaching time out this morning. I want to pray for those who are visiting with us that are not in Christ Jesus. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would lead and guide you into Christ's peace. That is, Christ is showing up in your living room even now through His Word. That you would not be afraid, but that you would accept the free gift of God's salvation today, that He is, he is present here with you to offer. The gift of His forgiveness, the gift of His peace, the gift of His gladness, and the gift of His new life. Let's pray.